Welcome to Breakfast At, a podcast dedicated to creating safe, no-judgment spaces for individuals to speak and be heard, engage and reflect, all while eating breakfast at some of the best locally owned spots in town. Welcome to another episode of Breakfast At, where we explore the inspiring stories of individuals who have turned their passions into thriving careers. Today, we're thrilled to introduce Becky Davis, a formidable force in the world of women's soccer right here in the Sioux Empire. With roots in Chicago and a blossoming career that took her from the collegiate fields of Valparaiso University to the vibrant soccer community of Sioux Falls, Becky's story is one of passion, perseverance, transition, and influence. As she journeyed from an athlete to a coach, and now to a mentor shaping the future of youth soccer, Becky has left an indelible mark on the sport. Join us as Becky shares her captivating journey, the challenges she's faced, the victories she's celebrated, and her unwavering dedication to the beautiful game and its young Food isn't here yet, but that's okay. Becky, welcome. Yeah. Welcome to Breakfast At. This is an awesome opportunity to have you on this podcast because of the history. Mm-hmm. Um, you are one of the first people I got to work for and with, as I consider it, yeah. moving here in, in Sioux Falls. And, you know, the opportunity to have met you and the way in which we connected, I think, stands the test of time. It, 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 you always be one of my favorite people here, um, and just well, a, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of reasons for that. There is. There's a lot of reasons for that. Because um, it's not just you know, it's not just your awesome spirit. It's not just your your willingness to like connect with people or connect people. It's like your love for the thing that you do, and and the uh, the ability you have to become infectious with that love. Like, it, and I mean that in such a beautiful way. Like. It is infectious when you are around to not appreciate and love the things that you you support. Soccer, um, sports, um, just youth development, um, community. Because all of those things I think of when I think of Soccer Sprouts. <laughs> and so I would love to know. Because I know what the culmination of it is. <laughs> I know what that looks like. But if you'd be willing to dive in... I want to know about the early years of Chicago and how you found soccer. Sure. And how that came to pass in those at that beginning part. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, my mom always mentions uh, because of just how our life ended up being soccer. Um, you know, to this day she curses. Uh, her name is Linda Toyama. Uh, she was a friend. Um, um, I went to preschool. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I went to preschool with her son, Tamio, and um, her husband actually was one of the doctors that delivered me. 
Oh, wow. Um, so, and, you know, I came from a town outside of Chicago. We had like 25,000 people, that kind of thing. Very, pretty small yeah. um, for that area. But uh, she just one day was like, you know, have you thought about signing up soccer? You know, and of course my parents, they're older. They didn't have that when they were younger. Um, and there wasn't girls, you know, this was the 80s still. Um, they didn't have girls soccer um, so you know I get signed up for our little local got the extra crispy bacon that's me and thank you beautiful are you guys waiting on anything else I don't believe so no right, I'll grab that We're golden. Thank, thank you, you. Um, I was the only girl I was on the called the kickers very original. The kick. And um, and I was the only girl on the team. And honestly, off the top of my head, I don't remember there being many, if any, other girls playing. Wow. Um, at least not for a few years when I ended up on a, a girls team. Okay. Um, still kind of recreational, that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I started when I was five, I think. And so we're going on 37 years <laughs> of soccer in my life. Wow. Um, never took a break from it. Never, you know, didn't do a season or took time off or any of that stuff. Um, turned into year-round soccer. My sister obviously came up through the ranks then too, um, doing yes. the same thing. Now granted, I, I always joke to, you know, first first kid, that parents will stumble through things and like, you know, miss out on stuff and not do things the, quite the right way. And they kind of did all that with me. And then Emily comes along and it was just like, boom, 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 like everything set up, you know, whatever. Um, so it, it has just, we're a soccer, we're a soccer family for our whole lives. Yes, and, sir. you know, uh, ended up playing for some pretty big clubs back home in Chicago. Um, ended up, you know, both of us doing the Olympic development program, going on the regional team, playing overseas. We did all those great things. And college, obviously, then was the next step. Um, being fortunate enough to play for a Division One program was um, a blast, you know. And all, you know, the travel and the, the teammates that you become so close with and, and all that. Um, and again, because people are my thing, like, you know, every new team or, you know, whatever I was on, I especially was big on incoming freshmen or the new kids on the team, like bringing them in and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, taking the initiative. And, you know, I, in college, I went, my first degree was in psychology and I was thinking I could do something with that. And when I finished it, I still had eligibility. I had I, I could have, I guess, potentially graduated, but they were like, well, if you want to keep playing, what else do you want to go to school for? Ah. And so I was a junior, about to start my junior year, and I go, hmm, I guess I have a lot of teachers in my family. So I went down the education program, um, which was great, doing the junior block uh, during my senior year, fall season. Yeah. 21 credits. Okay. It was a requirement during that specific semester, and it just happened to line up with my senior year of college soccer. So that was fun. I, many a bus ride to some random game across the Midwest where I just had my face shoved in a book, but okay. that's fine. It's neither here nor there. It happened. Um, but 
during that whole process then I started to take the initiative with the program of we were a smaller D1 school didn't have a strength coach um, I was working like for a gentleman on the side during off season where I would work with teams and we would do strength and speed and agility and I kind of picked up some of these things silly that I never went into exercise science as a you know degree instead but let's yeah. do all the other things instead um, so then I started to do that for our soccer program and putting together some lifting and things like that and um, I never thought about coaching I helped with their summer camps I had coached when I was in high school I coached goalkeepers for a little bit for a local club and um, was coaching goalkeepers older than me which was kind of cool yeah and uh, I'd been to some big camps, like, oh, I'd get sent out to California and do a soccer plus camp down at UCSD and that kind of stuff, but, um, so my college coach comes to me and he's like, do you ever think about coaching? Uh, no, actually, I didn't think about it at all, although at the time I was like, also, what am I going to do? Like, I have a teaching degree now, but yeah. do I just want to be a teacher in a school or what do I, you know? Right. And so, um he introduced me to the world of coaching college soccer and the path that it would you know I could take to move up the ranks and I got really jazzed about that and like I would love to have my own program there's you know uh, there's not a ton especially here we're looking at I graduated in um, 2004 so not a ton of female coaches and the ones that were, you know, not a lot of them had families. It's a very rigorous job. And, um, but I, at the time, I, you know, no attachments, no nothing. I just moved, um, you know, away from my family, away from everything, and ended up out in Brookings. And uh, was the goalkeeper coach at SDSU for a season. Started to introduce me into that and recruiting and, and all those kind of fun outside of the coaching part of it. Um, loved it. Yeah. Just didn't mesh with the coaches, the program. It just wasn't a good fit. Um, you know, looking back, I feel like I didn't have a lot of... I wasn't being led. It was kind of like I didn't have any experience doing it. And then when I got there, they were like, here's the recruits you're going to try to get. Here's the do this and do that. And I'm like, sweet, but how? Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, how do I? So, so you know, I, I, there was lots of stumbling. There was a lot of mistakes that I made. And I look back and go, man, I could have done such a better job. And what would my life have been like if it had gone better? But, um, you know, the, the whole the best positive out of that experience was that I met um, the father of my children and he you know was going to school there and ran the men's soccer club they weren't a varsity sport so we were constantly in communication about you know hey we're gonna work on crossing today can you bring me four of your tallest aggressive defenders come on over train with us whatever um, and so that being said, when the SCSU didn't pan out, I went home, I was teaching at the Latin school, I was coaching their middle school girls team, um, and you know, the Latin school my sister was still a student at, yes. and here she was, I think she ended up getting like their athlete of the century, it's, like still has a state scoring record, like quickest goal or some crazy stuff in Illinois. Wow. And so I go there and I'm coaching the middle school, I'm doing those things, and of course there's this guy um, back home 
that we're still trying to make it work or whatever. And um, I had made a couple of really cool connections when I was at SDSU. We made a lot of trips to Omaha and did friendly round robins down at Creighton in their brand new, gorgeous soccer facility, turf, all that great yeah. stuff. And um, the lady, lady, she, we were girls at the time, I suppose, but she was the grad assistant for Creighton, which is where she had gone to school. She got the head job at USD. And almost simultaneously, I had, her name was Becky Heiberger, Becky McCabe now. Um, (laughs) She knew where I'd gone to school, so she actually contacted my college coach asking for my contact info. Simultaneously, Belpo had actually just offered me a job to also come on to their staff once he found I was back in town. And I remember him going, you know, I was tempted to not give her your information simply because we had also just been like, why don't you come back on, be a crusader. Um, And I was really (coughs) excited about doing that. But then Becky comes along offering me a chance to come back out to South Dakota to be at Vermilion. And it was a no-brainer for me simply because of the relationship that I was trying to, you know, foster. Um, So moved back out in 2005 and did two seasons there, finishing with my master's in sports administration, Um, engaged, graduated with my master's, married, and um, still while working local club soccer, youth soccer, and then you know, my typical off-season job that I picked up, Home Depot, uh, became a manager Home there. <laughs> All my off-seasons in college, I would be at a very different departments at the Home Depot, November through July, and then they knew I'd disappear for season and come back. And um, so because of that experience back home, when I came out here, then they brought me right in, and that was kind of my thing post-Masters. Um, because I'm also, I'm still not, like, well, I'm from here now, I guess, technically, but yeah. I, was, I was a newbie, and as you know, it's harder to kind of get accepted into the South Dakota oh my God. group, oh especially my God. we're from cities, and we're not quiet, yep. and, um, you know. It's almost, it's almost a, an immediate abrasiveness, and it, it, the recoil yep. that you get from people the moment you try it's like they're like oh no what like you're, you're not from here and i'm yeah. like yeah no listen to all these experiences and i'm wacky and yeah. whatever and yeah. they're like you're scary and we are unsure of you and so it took a while and um you know i am finally kind of getting into things here with them and i it wasn't like post-masters I could just go be like, okay, well, I've got this education now, and here I am. And they were like, who are you? Because yes. <laughs> I still, yep. I'd only been here a few years, you know. Yep. Um, so I was fortunate enough then for about three seasons, I think, uh, working with USF. Oh, so yes. in you know I ended up getting approximately six years of some experience with college ball um, always goalkeepers but a lot of the recruiting trips I got really good at the travel itineraries when I was at USD yeah. um, you know hey we're gonna be driving to Mankato at this hour here's a stop off exit whatever for food <laughs> I already got our meal set up at the restaurant we'll show up at 530 they'll yeah. have you know 21 plates of spaghetti and pitchers of water and da 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 like all the things to try to make it as seamless as possible and not you know um 
And that actually ended up helping me because I did a little with the Thunder in town when they first kind of came back post-Spitfire and they were starting to get a bit more organized and I put together some travel itineraries for that. Um, But just every chance I got, I was inserting myself into like, what's what's all the soccer stuff? Not yeah. just like, what is a soccer thing, what but is, what is what is all the soccer stuff in town? Uh, let me help with the university, great. Oh, soccer club, you need a U11 girls coach? Great, I'll do that. Um, and then, so like, I don't know if you remember Coach Cassidy, we had, she was younger, um, or there was Coach Sierra, their Sierra sisters, Johnson. their yeah. sisters, I coached them both. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I ended up with the girls team and then started to help with the youth program mm. that was just starting out. Uh, it was called Grassroots Soccer and there were 50 kids. And a wonderful gentleman named John Pagoni, who's still in town, soccer guy, he was kind of running it, but he had a, you know, a job. Yeah. So I would start to help, like, I got the practice plan set up, I'd finish my 5.30 to 2.30 shift at Home Depot because um, I was the opener and ran the front end. And then I would come home and put together our practice plan and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that's honestly where it started. I was just a little helper coach that was, you know, once he was like, do you want to run a session? Oh, no. No, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there yet, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And um, went through the proper avenues for education, which I think is so cool about soccer, you know, your typical football coach, they played football, they maybe coached a kid's team, then a high school team, then a, you know, there's yeah, just that path that they take, mm-hmm. but there isn't um, a governing body in a lot of different sports that say, you need more than just experience. There's a philosophy that we're trying to develop as a, as a nation, and um, to, to be a part of properly developing soccer as a whole, which is still growing in the fastest growing sport in the U.S., but still very uh, much in its infancy compared to a lot of the other, your basketball, your baseball, your football, you know. Um, And so it's cool that, you know, through U.S. youth and and things like that, you can get your licensing. And, And, you know, so I started to do that with the, you know, the club was awesome in that they paid for most of your coaching education um, so through them I was able to get um, you know my C license yeah. which was again sent me up to Brookings for a week yeah. and then my youth license too and kind of after that it was well now you've got the, the education for it and the license and the piece of paper um, do you want to start running some of our stuff and it um, it was pretty seamless just because I'd already been like helping for a bit and I kind of knew and now it was I found that I thrive when it's mine when it's something that ultimately like I am in control of and it's on me and if it's not great it's on me and if it's you know there's room for growth and the growth isn't happening what am, what do i need to do about it instead of you know how can i help you make it happen so it kind of just took off from there and i worked for you know dakota gold i was the development director i helped with the merge yeah. we became dakota alliance i was their development director that was 2009-10 um you know 
Josh and I have been married a few years. He gets an opportunity for a, a you know, left the YMCA, went to Target, let's move to Watertown. And, uh, sure, adventures. We don't have any kids, and let's, you know, um, second we got up there, of course, I contact Watertown Youth Soccer Association. Hi, I'm Becky. This is Josh. We do soccer. How can we help? And they actually were like, who are, again, South Dakota, like, who are you? We don't know you. Click, you know. And it took a little bit, but then what I had started and been running down here, I started and got it going up there and, um, and did that for a few years, even when we moved away. And it's amazing to live in a city or in a place where you have to be, what's that term? Where somebody, you have to be vouched for. Mm-hmm. Which in its own I right, have to get like enough people to know me yes. and know like, yeah. You know, oh yeah, she's, she's, she knows what she's doing yep. or she's a good egg or, you know. Yep. Which in, in an interesting way is such a self-fetting system because it does keep the, the the fake actors from you know infiltration in a way mm-hmm. but it also does seem to stag it, it creates this interesting uh, void where it's like there's times of stagnation where there's like this thing that's there it's knocking at the door but we're not certain so we'd rather wait five more years it's like a tryout like a really long drawn out tryout for like <laughs> that's a better can, way to put it can you make you know that's, everything with these sports yeah um can you can you can you fit in? Can you not? And I'm really not that old, but because my parents are so much older, I have all of these saying, not upset the apple cart. You know, who even says that anymore? Well, apparently I do. But don't put the cart before the horse. <laughs> yeah, all those fun things. That's a great one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it took a bit, yeah. and but once I've been able to get into. Vermilion Soccer or Sioux Falls or Watertown or yes. whoever like it just Then it became easy yeah. and it, it, it was it was uh, You know so fortunate Watertown was uh, so great You guys are up here and you're doing all these great things for soccer and that's yep. awesome and, and you know we moved back down here and they were like cool But there's nobody up here to continue doing what you were doing. Can you keep doing what you're doing? And, <laughs> sure one or two nights a week. Let me drive to Watertown. And, yes but again, being from Chicago, yeah. that drive didn't bother me. That's like a commute to, you know, we lived down near the south side. Practice was up near the north side. Yeah. It was only 81 miles, yeah. but because of construction and traffic, it would take me almost two hours. Oh. And so I would have to leave for practice every day, right after school, get to practice, train for two hours, get home, 10 o'clock at night, and then do my homework. So, uh, you know, hour and 45, drive to Watertown, you know, whatever, yeah. but, um, please eat, please, yeah. please do eat, uh, <laughs> I always realize how difficult it is when you have something that is based around food and conversation, mm-hmm. it, there is a weird, like, balance in there, right? a little bit, and then of course I don't want to be, like, chomping on food <laughs> and trying to talk to you, I would hope that everyone understands that that is part of the premise in that situation <laughs> is, you know, we're having breakfast, we're here, this is real life, it is, mm-hmm. and it is okay. Um, there are, there are interesting connections that I've found in a lot of the folks that I've met who, like me, come from cities, mm-hmm. and trying to find their way in, the, in the hearts and in minds of small town life, 
you know, in, in the same way that I feel you've experienced that, I've, I've also found that, that it is a humbling experience when you come to try to connect with small town. You're brought into a slower pace. And that slower pace, I really have come to appreciate in so many ways because I'm not, I'm more attentive to the things I'm looking for. I'm not just running around with, you know, aimlessly. Now it's like, okay, well, what's the intention? And it does force a person to really consider, well, what is it that I am seeking to create? What do I want? What do I want to build from this? And the people will tell you. I mean, with their response to how you're approaching it, they'll tell you if you're on the right path or not. And they'll like, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll give you another year or two, get to let you come around again, maybe you'll get it right Maybe next year's tryout. Yes. You can, uh, and the way yeah. you express that, it does feel like a tryout. It yeah. does. It really does. They're like, we got to make sure they're on the fly. Um, remarkably, you answered a lot of questions that I did have. Um, because I love talking, and if it's about soccer, you're I not going to get me to stop. No, I, I know, mean, that's why I was like, I wanted to whoops. take a break. Sorry, listeners, there's not going to be a lot of back and forth. No, 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 that's, that was, we're only getting into, we only just scratched the surface, because there's still a lot more. Um, what what challenges have you um, faced in fostering youth soccer, and you know how have you addressed them what what have you found out here, if any, given that soccer is a newer sport to America in a way, still developing, have you, what, what, what challenges have you found in that development in soccer specifically, but also the benefits that you found that have come from the continual effort in soccer finding its way and foothold here? Well... First thing, the first hurdle I remember feeling like, and perception is reality, but like what I felt like I was facing was being um, an outgoing, loud female here. You know, even back home, like I said, when I'm from near, you know, Chicagoland area, I was the only girl starting, uh, you know, in a soccer team. And so, and granted, things have definitely improved. I mean, because the women's game is even growing out so much and out here and things like that. Um, But it was kind of a good old boys club. And there were, with the different organizations I worked for, you know, we can call them soccer dinosaurs. They'd just been a part of it since their kids played back when they were, you know, my age playing little and they're still there doing things the way that they'd always done and um, it took me quite a while to finally get in and, you know, sort of start to be accepted. Or I think people just realize, like, okay, she's kind of loud, outgoing, a little kooky. That's just who she is. But she brings a, a lot or enough to the table that will, you know, tolerate her or whatever they were deciding to do. But, um, you know... <coughs> That was my first hurdle I even realized I was facing. I kind of felt like I didn't, I didn't even know it was a hurdle until I was in a a board meeting working for the club, and this was post merch. So working for Dakota Alliance, and um, because oddly enough, in college ball, like there were three of us on staff at USD, and we were all women. 
you know, and we got along great with the football staff and, and this kind of, it was just the respect of coaches, mm -hmm. coaches respecting coaches, no matter who you are, what you are, yep. whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm working for Dakota Alliance. I'm in a boardroom. I've already spent years helping develop the base and the foundation of, of youth soccer doing, um, you know, uh, Dakota Gold's Joga Benito and then adding soccer gymnastics is what we called it. I brought three and four-year-old soccer to the scene. Nobody thought to involve the little, you know, squirrels running around. Which is wild thing. Well, and what it was is, I mean, I was working with fives and older, and their siblings are running around getting into everything, and I'm like, there's got to be something we can do for these guys. Ta-da, soccer nastic. So I'm doing it for the club, and I'm in the board meeting, and there's another gentleman who's running the rec program in town, which, again, there's, there's a need for all of these different things. Every player should have an outlet, whether it's competitive, whether it's rec, whether it's... I sometimes want to play, but I do other things, you know, whatever the case is. So there's a need, and we're all there in the board meeting, and this soccer dinosaur starts talking about the improvement in skills and the development and this and that. And that's, that was my area because, you know, rec soccer is volunteer parents. Sometimes they experience soccer. Right. Sometimes they have practices. Right. And he's... This gentleman's, you know, talking on and on about the the gentleman that runs rec, under the impression that like he does all the things. And I'm talking about, I finally kind of like, hey, I'm also here. Here's what I've been doing. Here's all the improvements that have been made. Here's how our numbers have gone up. Yep. Staff that we have. And he leans over to another one of the guys, and I can hear him say, "Who is that?" And that's where I was just like, oh boy. Okay, hi, I'm Becky. I'm your youth development director. Um, I helped with the merge. I actually helped start it with the Townsend brothers. Hi. Like, I think I might be, i have been part of the organization just six months more after that. And granted, it had to do with the move that we took to Watertown, but I just was like, I, whew. And... <laughs> There weren't other females. Um, the director of coaching we brought in for the merge, his wife was a part of the program and coached, but it was just the two of us. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I'm working with the club again, trying to help. We're, we're doing the same thing. Um, but there aren't a lot of female coaches. There's just still a few of us. And I've been here now doing the math, 20 years, coming up close to 20 years, so almost half my life. And there's still a glaring lack of females in coaching roles. Um, I don't know why. That's something I should maybe look into. But, uh, you know, or, or getting some sort of program going where we're fostering females coming and giving back to the game and, and you know, wanting to go through those proper education steps and... and not even volunteer their time because once you have that that education you are a professional coach and you should be treated as such um, that was the biggest hurdle yeah. I think and, and once I um, you know tried out made the team um, and and showed everybody like it doesn't matter who I am or what I am but here's what I can bring to the table 
already at that time 20 plus years of experience working with how many kids, all different levels. You know, I've, I've now coached kids uh, three through 23, because when even when I was at U, U, uh, SDSU, I was coaching a couple girls that were older than me. Oh, wow. Because I, I graduated college at, or uh, high school at 17, college at 21, so I go to Brookings, I'm 21, and there's 23-year-olds on the team, and I'm just like, okay, well, this is, you know, all right, well, we can, we can do this. Um, and then... You know, uh, uh, I make the Team South Dakota here in terms of getting accepted, um, really making strides to, you know, females can do it, yes. more of a should, why aren't, you know, why aren't you, what can I do, get us in, um, and then, you know, the the last, or the, this, the hurdle that kind of changed it all, I would say, was when I'm... Uh, a stay-at-home mom, Braxton's a year, not even a year and a half, and I'm already bored out of my mind. Um, so I'm thinking of, you know, I'm going to get back into the workforce and, you know, something just easy, simple, because I have a baby and you've got to be able to figure out daycare and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and it was uh, Josh, actually, that said, well, what about that, that youth soccer the daycare thing because when we were in Watertown and I was like all right I'm getting bored like let's see if we can find a new adventure and um, there was a organization out of Kansas City that I applied for um, and they were interested so they brought me down and I spent a day there learning about their daycare program and I mean I didn't invent something it's it's not a brand new concept yeah. it's just made it my own mm -hmm. here um, and you know, I go down there. I love it. I'm excited. I'm honestly hoping that they're like, "Yeah, you're great. Move to Kansas City," because I'm like, I miss the city, and also it'll be warmer. Because <laughs> I moved oh, yeah. out here, and I remember <laughs> taking courses at Brookings, and it's the first time I experienced my nose hairs freezing, breathing Whoa. in, and I was just like, "What was that? Mm -hmm. Why is that a thing?" Like, <laughs> just, oh yeah, it's amazing. Why do we live somewhere where the air hurts your face? This is ridiculous. So. I get this opportunity, I think, in Kansas City. I'm like, okay, at least the winters are like, you know, there's snow, but it's not like minuses. Um, no, it wasn't that. They wanted me to purchase the franchise and take it back to South Dakota. And I was like, well, thanks, but no thanks. Like, that's not what I was looking for. Some time passes. Um, and Josh goes, what about that, that daycare kind of thing? What do you think you could, you know, do it? April of 2013, I start working with you know, the state, getting my name out there and getting my license and doing all the things you have to do to be like legitimate. And um, compared to everything else that I've had to do for the program, getting it up and running was the easiest part. <laughs> you know, I had startup money, a couple grand, I think, from my, my family, and that was it. And, you know, September, October of 2013 was the first season of Soccer Sprouts. I was at four daycares. Four. That's it. One more time to date. September 1? September and October of 2013. <laughs> so we did celebrate 10 years this fall. What? Yes, I was like, wait a minute. Uh-huh. That's amazing. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And we started at four daycares, and now, wow. you know, the 
And I look back at that, I'm like, man, that was easy and so lighthearted and not a whole lot to do. I kind of miss that. But also, now I can feed my family because it's a bit more successful. Um, you know, and and <laughs> the the hurdles as of late have been just stunting the growth of the program. Like there's, you know, the, there's no limit. The opportunities are out there. All those fun little cliche sayings. And it's, it's true. It's all true. But unfortunately, but when it comes to some aspects of the program, those are out of my control. And there have definitely been some mountains. I wouldn't call them hurdles. They, especially this winter has been quite a mountain. Um, and what choice do you have but to just keep going? I, I've always felt that way with any hurdle of any aspect of my life. Is well, that happened. So what can I do about it? I can, you know, pout and quit and <laughs> woe is me and pity party and. That's a phrase my mom used so much when I was younger. It's like, you're just throwing yourself a pity party. Like, buck up. You know, and I joke now. I'm like, yeah, why don't you woman up? <laughs> Everybody says, man up. I'm like, uh-uh. I'm going to woman up because that's tougher. Or at least for me it is, you know. Um, you don't have any... You have a choice. Everybody has a choice when faced with these hurdles. Um, I don't see it that way, though, because... I'm always going to choose to fight, to push through, to make the best of it until until better. And so, you know, this winter, that's what we had to do. Um, it was rough, really rough, not being able to play and offer to as many kids as we have for the past 10 years. I've never met any, I've met very few people to whom are more affected that they can't teach more people, more kids, the thing that they love than you and maybe a handful of other people. Like, I, I see it on you at times where you say, you know, unfortunately we've got this many kids that we just couldn't get in. And I know that that genuinely affects you, not because of the income, because there's kids that are missing out on an opportunity. And that to me is profoundly amazing that 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 is something that you fight for so much in looking for these places to be able to host and, and hold these classes. You are looking to be able to maximize as many kids that can come in and have the opportunity to learn the thing for their benefit because you know as everyone who I imagine works with you sees and understands why that is such a benefit. Yeah, my it's been a hard philosophy that I haven't been able to to um, you know, keep as of late, but uh, why say no if you don't have to? That that's and that is part of me being the people pleaser and the person of service and the, what can I do for you? Um, how can I help you? Even if it takes away from me, I mean that's just how I've been since probably birth, and um, so that's my philosophy. Philosophy, excuse me, with soccer sprouts is don't say no if you don't have to. So. I was constantly squeezing in more kids and overfilling fields and usually my own because I wasn't going to like, hey, Coach Carl, you have 22 kids now. I mean, there was the occasional. Yeah, it's nothing like having a bunch of kids, but it's a good time. But, it's always a good and, time. And it's always a good time. It just becomes more like, okay, the definition of youth sports is 
organize chaos. And then the more kids we have to, I shouldn't say have to, the more kids we choose to add to our field because we simply don't want to say no, the less organized it becomes, but man is it a good time. And the kids are constantly having fun. And it's just broken my heart that I can go into my registration system and I see, you know, lifetime registrations, lifetime waitlist kits. And over the course of even introducing waitlist, which has been the last two years, like 365 kids have been on a waitlist at, at some at some point in a season. Yeah. You know, and that's why I look forward to outdoors so much because our outdoor season, including daycare, we're over um, 600 kids in a season. And then you get to indoor, and last year and previous years when we had more space to pick from, we could have 250, 275 kids in a weeknight program over a night, two nights, whatever the facility could give us. And now, uh, this last two seasons, I've been only maxing out at 120. So the numbers had to be cut over half, um, which has not sleeping at night, super stressed, what can I do, scrounging up some turf here, there. It's, it's been probably the hardest, even soccer-wise, personal life-wise, because it affects everything in my life. When when I'm when the kids are affected, when the business is affected, when I'm out, it's out of my hands and I feel helpless, it infects everything. And so this winter has been the, the biggest mountain of my life. But you know what? Uh, trial by fire and push through because the other options for me aren't options. They're not. So. <laughs> So what can, we, what can we do? And, you know, even to just make ends meet, I picked up refereeing. And, you know, um, <laughs> I'm a business owner and it's a successful business, but I was delivering for Amazon because this winter was so tough. Um, you do what you got to do. And I did what I had to do and, and made ends meet and soccer sprouts kept going and we kept it fun and we did the best we could. And now we've got our new season that's going to come up and we have been able to add a facility and we'll be able to get more kids in but man I can't wait for outdoor where the space is unlimited yeah. and all we have to do is secure the coaches and then it's like everybody come on in yeah. like oh we have a wait list let me find another coach or there's a wait list we're gonna add another night like the flexibility and the opportunity there is just oh, outdoor man it's way easier <laughs> We are going to take a quick break so we can finish our food and then continue on this amazing conversation. Stay tuned. Join us every other week on the Daily Grind for Breakfast At, the podcast series that brings the flavors of your favorite local restaurants right to your ears. It's, it's something to be present and to watch and see all of the things that have come up. And I think the thing that inspires me the most is your your tenacity, your willingness to just, you know what? Let's find let's find a, a resource, let's find a an outcome that benefits everyone. Let's let's make it happen. 
it is let's find a way the best to our abilities and we'll do the best we can yes that affected me emotionally for so long that I felt like I wasn't doing the best I could or I could be doing more and once I realized that I personally couldn't and it was out of my hands then it was do the best you can with what you got yes I think that is that is a, a struggle we find until until we either come to realize why it's, it's necessary we don't see how there are things we just aren't in control of. There are things we just do not have our ability to manage. All we can do is adjust. And it's hard because it, there's, there's a sense of a veil, that the uncertainty on the other side of that veil we don't really see because we're not in control of it. And so the outcome, we're uncertain. But in the sense saying just doing your best, as long as, as, long as we're consistently doing the effort the outcome regardless of whether I have control over here I'm still putting myself in the potential for opportunity yeah because if you don't and you're just like well that's it well then it's never gonna get better you're not gonna come out on the other side yep. or be successful or yep. Yep. You're, always... you're never gonna know and I can't stand what is must not have liked the uh, Marvel <laughs> the Marvel guys or whatever. My boys loved that series. <laughs> it's such a great series. It is good. Had to throw that out there. But what if. It's, it's what if <laughs> within my circle. Like, right, you know, right, right, right. What ifs, uh, what if you know, that the contest I just signed up for we ended up winning. Like, that, there's what ifs. Yes. But like with regard to things that are in my control I I can't do what is right. I, I right. don't want to no and it's it, I think finding what is in your control allows you to have more um, have more have what was the uh, what's the word have more um, yeah yeah uh, you have more influence on the things that you can create and build. And I, I, I've noticed, I've watched a lot of people struggle more because they don't know what is and is not in their control. More than not knowing what to do, most people know once they figure out what they have in their control, they know what to do. But the struggle of not knowing is just as hard because it's like, well, where... Where can I maneuver so that I can uplift myself or get out of the way of this situation? But if I'm more focused on the things that I don't have control over, I'm distracted keeping myself from the potential of getting better. And maybe people don't find that, but I feel like, as you said, through trial of fire, like that is what helps you learn that. It's the only way really to learn it. But and with regard to this winter, I do feel like I made some mistakes in that I was still so hopeful and anticipating that I'd at least get something at the dome. So, you know, yeah. talking with Justin about it, he's just like, well, you knew this was going to happen. Why didn't you make other plans? And I just was like, even if I knew it was happening, 
I already know about all the other potential plans and they don't work. The turf at Great Life Performance Center, they run classes. I can't get on there until 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. That's yep. too late. Yep. Yep. Um, I can't get into the field house. Um, there's no other turf in town. What about basketball courts? It's basketball season. There aren't. You know, like, so with regard to indoor space, it was like sports games, dome, or, or nothing. And I understood that, and it was hard to get him to understand that, because he just doesn't know. He's not right. from down here. He hasn't been here long enough. Yeah. And he's just trying to see you happy. <laughs> and he's like, you, sh you could have done more. You should have been planning for this. And I'm like, yeah. ah. it was in the back of my head. But I also knew there was very little planning that honestly needed to happen, because there's only options A or B. Right. That's it. Right. Which may be the most grueling part is that you knew that at the time there wasn't any real options. You just, like you just have to kind of. I sure hope he gets back to me because I, for eight years, the most tenured organization in there with Jen's Adult League, at least had an hour or two every season, and then when that filled, I would add sports games as a supplement. Right. Well, now I went from that to this is my only facility. A quarter of the kids per, you know, hour. So I had to coach there more, which yeah. meant my rent doubled. My, in, my numbers cut in half. I spent the winter with a 47% decrease in my income. Damn. Yeah. I spent about a month with negative balances in my account. Still busting my butt. It was a bad winter, but, but I did it. Forged in the icy cold of the winter, Soccer Sprouts comes up from the ashes anew. <laughs> That's the story of the, the story of the year. It's yeah, amazing. Something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll see, but no, I think. My hope is that once we get things rolling again, like the families will come back. I don't think I lost them to like the other organization because we've been in talks and they keep telling me their numbers and they're even with our crappy season, like November, December, January, we still have more kids than them. Like they had like 101 kids one season and like 113. You know. This, the community you've created with Soccer Sprouts, I think, is something to be, res if anything, definitely something to be respected because of the impact at which you make. And you, you've pointed it out before, but I, I, I say this with the experience of having witnessed it myself as a coach seeing how these kids will come from not having any clue as to what soccer is, what it's about to then make it through the, the, the age groups in Sprouts and then see where they've come and how they've thrived and how just the, the opportunity to learn one, confidence in one's own abilities 
camaraderie in a group setting environment and then just the opportunity to kind of be in tutelage and see what it's like to learn and and take from a, a teacher a, mm -hmm. a, a you know coach that you know those things have such a foundation in the development of kids and who they're gonna be like I think it's it, more than just soccer it's so much more than just soccer it's so much more than it's so much more than just soccer and you provide that in that way and I think that that's something that to me I, I still like looking back at this and you know I, I that it is a an amazing service that you provide and and something that I think that again it's like community itself speaks for it and the support that your community has I think is amazing because I know there will never be an issue of people not coming to help and support what you what you're doing because because of what you, you provide because of what you offer and the coaches I mean you you go out of your way to make sure you've got people who are there who are competent and capable of teaching and love what Most of doing. the time. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, the one or two outliers that is, that is it, you know, but, but even then, even at that point, you are still able to turn somebody who has not had a background in soccer into somebody who at least appreciates what they're doing. Yeah. And I think that that says a lot about who you are as a person because that is not. Here? I am. Thank you. Yeah, Love your welcome. glasses. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, we actually have the players from Sioux Falls City that want to come back too. <laughs> they, the ones that we had went back with the team and was talking about how fun it was that a bunch of the girls are like, well, how do we do that? So Joe, I actually bumped into him yesterday because I ref the All-Star game for girls high school. Oh, nice. Um, they had their end of season gala, like the big state gala last night and all that fun stuff. Oh, I didn't go. Cool. Yeah. Um, I wasn't up for any awards as a ref, so I was like, meh, I don't need to buy the tickets. And I've got a sick husband to take care of. But, um, I bumped into Joe DeMay, who's the coach, and he was there you know, watching the girls recruiting, that kind of thing, because these girls are going off to college, maybe they could use a summer to get ready kind of stuff. Right, right. And uh, he asked, you know, when, we got a bunch of girls that want to do it, when's a good time for us to like bring it to the table and have them contact you? Because the girls came back after last year and they'd always talk about it and a bunch of the other players are now wanting to get involved and um, you know they're not going to report and get going until after May June starts but I said uh, bring it to the table about mid end April and they can we can all start talking and once they're in we'll just toss them onto a field oh hey I gave coach Carl 18 kids McKinley you can be with Carl. He would love the next five weeks to be slightly easier. Like, oh you know. <laughs> That's a real thing. Um, I mean, Letty's, Letty's doing great. She's not coming back. She's doing oh, no, very I, well I, professionally. I, I, you. I mean, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. That's um, awesome. But the others, I'm not 100% sure. Lulu was going to go pro. She'd actually only helped us like a teeny bit, but she stayed in town. She's playing in the adult league um, on a competitive team I play against. But... So yeah, we're gonna have the girls coming back because they had fun. You want to start third quarter? Oh, I'm sorry, it's been gone. Oh, 
sweet. It's been going. Hi, everybody. I didn't realize I was being recorded. <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome back. <laughs> we are back for our break. This is what I love because I can edit all of this. Ta-da! We, welcome. Welcome back. Uh, as we continue on and we hear more, uh, we're going to dive into some more questions given that I have this amazing individual here with us. Um, in your experience, what is... What is the most important trait a young soccer player can possess? Coachability. Is is coachability the sim, the simpli, simplistic answer, or is it that's what you find is the easiest thing to be able to grow in the sport? As a, as a coach, I would rather take a player without ability or without the soccer IQ, without the natural prowess, and turn them into a soccer player because they're willing to listen and to work and to be coached over an athlete who is amazing at the game, naturally gifted beyond belief, but does not listen, does not work for, does not work for their coach. Because it's, it's kind of this symbiotic, like, I'm I'm the coach, yep. but we're a family. I work hard for you. You work hard for me. It's that respect that typical. Yeah. yeah, and and if I have a player that's not coachable, well then, why are you playing? Who are you playing for? Very likely your, yourself. Right. Um, and so, like I said, I would take a workhorse that wants to learn over the kid that. You know, already knows everything, yeah. which doesn't exist, by the way. Because <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I've, been play, I've been playing 37 years now, and I'm still learning. I still watch games all the time because it's one, it's another great way to, to learn about the sport. And uh, I'm never going to know all there is to know. Nobody is. And if they think that they do, then that's just unfortunate for them because they're not going to grow. Something about the uh, the ignorance of youth not realizing the lack of experience they have and then having to grow into it in reflection of the old you that used to think they knew, but now you're in a position to realize how dumb you were. <laughs> that, that's a part of everything. Immediately you start talking about, and I go, parenting. <laughs> Having kids. Yeah. I was a kid thinking, you know, my parents are, are idiots, and they don't know, and I know everything, and I'm invincible, and now that I'm a parent, I'm just like, you have no idea. Man, was I silly. And that, that happens, I think, in, like, in every facet of a person's life, is you look back then and go, wow. Wow, that was kind of cringy how I, you know, <laughs> now to sound young all of a sudden and right. say cringy. Yeah. Uh, I think that's how you say it. But, you know, um, yeah, the kids that, that, that know everything. And it's just like you would, you would be doing so much better if you didn't think you did. Yeah. Being able to walk, being able to present yourself as an empty glass, in a sense. What role do you believe sports, particularly soccer, 
play in the development of children beyond the field? So much. And I know we kind of touched on a little bit, but at the end of the day, what do you think that sports and soccer being the profession in this regard, what do you think it is that that builds that foundation? I mean, I, I want to say we kind of know already, but... Yeah, well, you know. so, you know, before I really got, like, dove head first and full-time and professionally coaching, I was a teacher, and I, I did. I taught at the Latin school. I subbed for so many different districts. The hidden curriculum. It's not your, you know, in school you do your reading, writing, arithmetic, science, da 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 The hidden curriculum is all those other things that actually are a bigger part of post-education. You know, um, your honesty, your values, um, team building, communication, dealing with conflict and um, problem solving and just all these different things that participating in any sport, especially soccer, that's the thing I love about soccer, it's a player's game. It's not a coach's game. So the coach, in theory, should be doing all the work during the practice. Helping the players hone their skills, learn new techniques, observe and practice new tactics. And then it's with the game, it's the player's time to shine. Now, a coach will have some control in terms of strategy, moving players around, subbing players out. But a coach can't go out there and say, Holland, you should have finished this ball with that. I mean, it's it's Holland's game. It's it's you know it's not Pep's game. Um, and in basketball, although I feel like it's kind of gone to the wayside, but it was set plays. Uh, football plays. Yep. Baseball. If A happens, the only options are B or C yep. because of base runners or whatever the case is. And soccer. I mean, besides your occasional free kick or, you know, a, a corner kick or whatever, like, yeah. there is no set play. It's like hockey, which is why I think hockey is probably my number two favorite sport, is movement off the puck. Mm -hmm. The athlete having to think for themselves, having that IQ of the game to know, you know, here's the 40 different scenarios that could happen in this one touch that my teammate's going to make. I should do A, B, C, D, E, or F. Well, it depends on what player Z does. And I mean, it's yeah. that that quick problem solving, thinking, um, you know, and then the hard work that once you make the decision to participate in the sport, if you want to be successful, you have to do more than just your, your practice and your games. Um, so you're learning the, you know, having to strive for something, goal setting, yeah. um, being honest with yourself, because at the end of the day, if you're not successful, well, whose quote-unquote fault is it? It's not the coaches, because again, it's a player's game. It's not the refs. <laughs> as much as we'd love to yell at And have, have there been games that have been severely affected? Yes. And yeah. I know people right away will be like, Anthony in the Liverpool game and, you know, this and that. And that's why he got demoted. And then I, I get that. There are very <laughs> small outliers where it's like, whoa, that ref really affected that game. But then you look at it and go, well, if Liverpool had done A, B, and C before that call had happened, 
that changes the, the you know complexion of the game as well. So um, the fact that soccer is so fluid, it just requires so much more of your athlete. And of course, that's when you're older. Um, Sprouts-wise, we're one of the first experiences for these kids having to listen to a different authority figure than their parent. This is the first organized sport for a lot of our kids, and that's when you can tell because they're not used to the structure, or you know, that's why so much of what we do at all of our age groups is the listening years and following expectations and positive reinforcement. This is what they do in schools. It's like what they do in the preschools and the daycares, and we're doing the same thing, but with a soccer ball. It just, it's, it's the same thing, it just looks different. Yep. Because it's in a sport. Yep. But at the end of the day, you know, number one, we want the kids to have fun, but then, yeah, did they improve soccer-wise from beginning to end of season? Yes, awesome, that's what I love. I love seeing the light bulb go off. I love a kid being so frustrated because they can't do this one thing, and then they figure it out, and you're just like, that does something inside of me where I'm just like, yes, that is so awesome, way to go, because then that too, that excitement of like, you did it, and and guess what, there are so many other things in your life that this is going to happen, and you're going to do it, and you're going to get it, and just so real. go do the damn thing, right, but like, you're three, so like, good job, is like all you can really say. To conquer the world, you're yeah. Three, so you still got so here's go. a gold star. <laughs> I, that's really all I can, you know. Um, it's, it's, you you basically learn so much about life and yourself as a person. That's so silly through a sport. Yeah. But like I did, yeah. you know, and the experiences that I ended up having personally with teammates and hotels and the travel and yeah. um, and working hard for my teammates, bleeding for my teammates, they bleed for me. Um, but at such a, a basic level, it's just the beginnings of, you know, being a good human and the, just the, being a good human. And because we also, you know, we only play soccer with well-behaved sprouts and granted they're, you know, going to make poor choices, but we're there to help them. That was a poor choice. Are you happy with that decision that you made? And that's where we do a lot of the guided discoveries. We're not telling them, hey, this, that, do the thing. It's, okay, well, you did this. Was that the best option? No? Okay, what should you have done instead? And I, I, I want you to know, and I, I want you to know specifically because working with you and learning under you how you approach introducing structure to kids weirdly enough has translated into the way that I communicate and manage the teams that I have of adults mm -hmm. and and it's amazing how if you can talk to a child and convey thought to a child and have them grasp it it's not that many steps up from to an adult it really isn't mm -hmm. and at the, at the the, the thing I learned was I have to learn how to meet the person where they are. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that I think changed a lot of the way that I approach my communication with people. Is I'm, I'm no longer trying to beat into them what I want them to understand. I am evaluating how they learn and how they understand mm -hmm. to then better convey my thought to them so that I can be certain mm -hmm. that they can get it. How can we get there together? Yes. Instead of me just dragging you along and saying this is how it has to happen. Yeah. 
and that's just so much confrontation in there. Yeah, and I don't with the the teams that you you know with your job and everything. I'm not sure how much it would translate in the adult world because there are other emotions that have been developed at that point. Yes. But yes. I've always believed too that besides our guided discovery approach, um, players, kids are going to learn and absorb what they've learned more by coming up with the answer themselves versus somebody telling them that's what it is or seeing it from a teammate or a peer. Yes. You know, so I could tell a, a, a player to do this thing and if they don't come up with that answer themselves or witness it in real time by a friend and going, oh, like that was a really good place to pull that move next time I'm in that situation, as opposed to me going, freeze, freeze, freeze. Okay, what you should have done, yeah. Yeah. that goes in one ear, out the other. And that, again, correlate like life. Yeah. There's so many things where it's like, don't touch the hot stove. I told you not to. And they do it anyway. And they're just like, well, now I've learned because I did it. I didn't listen. Now, that's obviously also learning listening ears. Like, I told you not to, but it's it's the best way for something to be absorbed uh, long term. I think, as opposed to just a, a now, a, an in-the-moment command, and that ties to everything, not just sports. No, it does, and it, it's remarkable how connected they are. Uh, how do you stay inspired and motivated to contribute to soccer, to the soccer community, as continually as you do? Because not only not only do you have soccer sprouts, not only do you coach, or not sorry, not only do you ref on the side for fun, but you're also a player, mm -hmm. and you play for like three, four different teams. Three. And you manage or or organize two of them, or like um, one well, of them? Well, they, they end up using me as a coach a lot so like at, at half times or begin they're like all right Becky what formation should we be in I'm like this isn't my team but I think you should probably be right back and um, obviously I'm in goal you know that's not a hard one or whatever the case <laughs> well, is true. but uh, <coughs> I mean I'm a coach and it's so funny because so yeah I play on three teams and I am coach Becky even to just adults um, but being a goalkeeper I also coach throughout the game because I'm seeing everything, and yeah. I, you know, um, you know, Tucker, pinch in number eight on your left shoulder, this, that, or come on, guys, the touches need to be one-two touch, not seven-eight dribbles. And this Friday night, I guested, I helped a team at nine, and my team was playing at ten, but with you know having to go home, helping Justin, I was like, I don't want to be out too late. He might be, in, you know, struggling. Um, I was like, I'm not going to stay. And then I was like, well, I'll after the game, I'll stretch and kind of watch my team a little bit. Yeah. And I joked. I was just like, don't worry, guys. I'll just be over here critiquing everything. And Tyler turns on and goes, why is that any different? <laughs> and I was just like, uh, that's fair. <laughs> I go, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just coach you guys up from the side here or whatever, you know. And it wasn't that way. I kind of more was just, it was teasing and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um... 
it's so funny to just say, but like soccer, soccer is my life. Soccer has been my life. Soccer will always be my life. There isn't a day where I'm just like, ugh, I just hate it, or I'm so sick of it, or you know. Um, and I sprinkled in a family. Is kind of how it works. Now, I think about if I didn't take that path, where would I be? But I also kind of believe that a lot of things happen, a lot of things succeed or fail um, for a reason, and ultimately you're where you're supposed to end up. Um, if you're not, you're just not there yet. Yeah. And I think I I am. You know where I'm supposed to be. I I don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, and and um, it's it's a sport that I'm obsessed with. It's it's hard to you know uh, people like oh my I'm, my knee kind of hurts. I'm gonna quit playing. And I'm like well then you just don't love it enough. <laughs> no, like it, nobody understands how much I love this sport. Like I've had five back surgeries and two knee surgeries and I still don't have an ACR or a meniscus and my back's double fused and, and, I, she still plays. and I play on three teams and ref and so like on a given weekend I'll ref five games and play three possibly four if somebody needs a female to guest and it's just like but that's what I want to do yes. I don't want to be home doing well obviously chores who wants to be home doing chores but like just about anything else you know yeah. Yeah. um the, the weekends that you know i don't have my kids or anything i would be totally happy just living at the field house it is being out there i'm a junkie i'm a soccer junkie that's one of the best answers i've gotten yeah <laughs> that's great. Uh, uh, this is gonna sound this is gonna sound strange, but this is also I think a question that I am curious about because though I know you well enough, I would say that there is still always room for growth. Um, what's next for you and your mission to promote and develop youth soccer? I want to make myself available for more of the community. I, you know, am talking about being more involved in the refing community. Um, I'm talking with the club because, you know, our goal is the same. And there's never been a reason for us to you know, and we both say like, well, we weren't competing because we were offering different services. In a way, yes, but the things that I had started for the club way back in the day is ultimately what Soccer Sprouts is. So that existed, but it also I don't think was a competition just because we were doing it so successfully. Um, but we need to be on the same page and it's for the benefit of the community. And there's Sioux Falls Neighborhood Soccer, which I helped this fall and I just loved it. And it starts up again this spring and there's five weeks and I wanna be a part of all five weeks. And um, Soccer Sprouts can still be bigger. Um, Getting involved with the club and being able to use each other's resources is just gonna reach that many more kids. Um, being a part of helping to reach out to some of these elementary schools after school, especially kids that, you know, 
wouldn't be able to experience soccer otherwise for various reasons. Um, just a lot more community outreach, um, helping with the club, running some of the programming that will feed the the competitive, you know, side of things. Um, Sioux Falls City soccer, you know, um, they they go to the uh, the pro level next year. But but this summer season, they're you know I should hopefully still be there the commentator, so I'll be a part of that soccer community. So now if they go pro, I I know that there'll be contracts that they have to do with like a national referee assigner, not just locally with Sawyer here. But um, obviously I want to ho I hopefully get to stay on in some capacity and not like well we went pro now so we're with you know CBS or whatever and I'm like oh well I've lost my job. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's a lot of kids that need people like, like me. So until that happens, I'm going to try to be everything, everywhere, all at once, right? <laughs> I've heard that's a movie. I heard that's it's good. Movie. I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, you got to see it. You'd love it. But, but that's what I'm trying to be until yeah. yep. until the cloning is possible or something. I don't know. That'd be wild to have, like, several use. That'd be, be awesome. Not even Chicago would be able to handle that, let alone Sioux Falls. Ay, ay, ay. I wouldn't do that to no, my worst enemy. <laughs> so looking back, what it, what advice would you give to your younger self just starting in your soccer career? Honestly, I would say work harder and don't get distracted. There are decisions I made, you know, ugh, barf for a boy where I could have gone to University A and probably been how successful and ended up down a different path, but I chose this university. Granted, I still played soccer, um, but for for immature reasons, you know. And and I look back and, and that, it, that is a what if for me. We were talking about me not liking what ifs, yeah. but when I was a kid, there was more that I could control and I didn't realize. That's a that's a yeah. that's a, a big you know I didn't do a lot of like the woe is me or this or that but it was more just like well if it's it it's gonna happen yeah. like I'm gonna do these things I'm gonna play for a big D one school I'm gonna go pro I'm gonna you know all these things I wanted to do and I look back at it and go no you weren't because you you didn't control what you could have controlled and now as a parent I'm trying to help my children see because is it regret that I look back on well yeah because I know I could have done more am I even jealous of my little sister because she went through the ranks younger than me and got those experiences younger than me so she went farther than me yeah I wish I would have had those things and done those things um, but a lot of it was me so 
Yeah. And, and I know that now. And now working with so many kids, that's another thing too, is I want not only my children, my stepchildren, and the thousands of kids that I've worked with over the 15, 20 years I've been here, um, you've got to put the work in and take control. And it's it's not because of, you're not getting playing time? Yeah. Give your coach zero reasons to not play you. Like, be the best, put in the work, show up early, stay late, like all those things that I didn't do enough. I did. I went to the extra goalkeeping practices. I didn't go to any of my school dances until my senior year because we were at tournaments instead of dances. I was in Washington, D.C. every homecoming. I was in Phoenix every uh, turnabout or form, winter formal. Um, and I had no problem doing that because that was like I had a goal. But the goal wasn't strong enough for me, I guess, is what I'm so like with, with kids now. It's, well, what do you want to do? You want to you go on to a team? at you know you're eight nine ten but you want to do more let's get you on that path so you can do more i've got lucas nine and a half he guests playing up at u 11s he does well um he's a really good soccer player he's my kid i'm not even being biased because when he has a rough game i'm the first one to coach him up now he <laughs> poor thing has two parents that are both professional soccer coaches so <laughs> that can't be all the fun in the world if you're like, you know, I, I try really hard to be like, well, did you have fun? Right, right. Like, did you like it's like, yeah, I did have fun. Well, great, because your first touch was, no, I'm just, it's, it's hard. Um, but I want Lucas to know that if he has these goals and he really wants to play in college and he really wants to go pro, like, it stinks, but man, you gotta, you gotta have to start now. Like, we gotta do some extra stuff and it's just the way of the world. But if, if you don't want to do those things now, which is your choice, yeah. Yeah. it is your choice. I'm not going to force you, but I'm here for you. Um, don't be surprised if at the end of the day, you look back at this and go, man, I should have. There was more I could control. The things that we don't realize or recognize until we're older and actually are able to see it. And and I, you know, I appreciate that willingness to ex express that that is there is a modicum of regret that comes with some of the things that we look back on. I know that it's something that is hard for people to reflect on. It's very difficult as an adult to look back at some of the things that you know I could have done better knowing it could have changed a lot of my outcome you know and and it, it is hard to like look at that and take ownership of it because I do have to own up to those choices because at the end of the day it was me who made them mm -hmm. but in doing so inspires me then to look back and say what can I do to make sure that doesn't happen for this person for that person how can I help inspire the next one to see the decisions and choices that they do have control over so that they can improve their situation, improve their livelihood. Where maybe I didn't, or maybe that's the whole lesson in that is I get the opportunity to reflect on that and then improve my livelihood now, where I, maybe I didn't feel like I could before. But that is a, it's a hard thing and it shows a lot of where you've come from and the resolve that you've had in those things because it's not easy. Well, no, I mean, they they say without mistakes, there's no growth. 
if, if you don't mess up, then how do you get better? How do you even know there's growth to be had? Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. How do you cultivate that other than just by the encouragement of being like, hey, you know what? It was a mistake. Let's move forward from it. Let's right. get better. Let's get up and dust yourself off. Mm -hmm. And that's actually another, that's a kind of a coaching thing is you, you um, win or you learn. That's what I say to the kids. They're like, oh, we lost. I go, no, you learned. But now tell me, what did you learn? Yeah. You know, um, we were too slow. We needed to, you know, more one-two touch or I need to trust my teammate to be there for me. Um, so then it's like, great, now we've learned something. The next time we play, there is, there's improvement because now we know. It's that knowledge of, you know, man, I shouldn't have done that, but I know now this next time, not going to happen. And now I've grown. Uh. <laughs> Can you share a project or initiative within youth soccer that you particular that you are yourself particularly proud of? Aside from your own, what is there right now currently that is out there that's happening that you can say as a soccer enthusiast, as a member of the community, that you are happy and proud of that has started and made itself known Oh, Sioux Falls Neighborhood Soccer. You brought it, them up. There was... It is such a blast. Yeah. And they take all these elementary schools, um, you know, that have a higher demographic of kids that wouldn't be participating in organized sports for money, for transportation, for family reasons any different reason and you bring the soccer to them you you know every Saturday morning during a season you show up so for example I was working with the kids at Annie Sullivan at Kenny Anderson Park by Washington High School so all and it was the largest I think it's the largest location we had like 150 kids or something like that Whoa! and so I was there with the director of coaching for the club Frank and I had second grade second and third grade boys and he had fourth fifth grade boys and then another coach had like all the girls and you know it's this hour of a similar kind of format we would do you know your 30 40 minutes or something like that where you're like doing activities and playing the fun games to work on the skills and then you would just haphazardly kind of put them on teams and I would typically have four four maybe five fields going at the same time and it was myself and an assistant but with all the experience and all the squirrels that we've worked with over the years you know classroom management ability to keep kids focused um, these kids look forward to the program and it, their excitement is infectious so again then it becomes reciprocal like I'm there and I'm like awesome hey guys how's it going you have a great week at school blah 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 <laughs> And then I see them playing and something really cool happens and here I am just being like, yes, that was awesome, you know, what a great goal or big time save. And, and you know, we just got the email from um, one of the women that, that runs the program, Callie Shock, 
who is a soccer friend. I play against her husband, her son I coached, and her son is on my son's team. And just where it soccer community is not very large. Um, but she just sent the email about, you know, new seasons coming up, and we'd sure love to have you be involved because it's all volunteer based. Gotcha. Um, and she mentions in the email that some of the schools have already told her the kids are asking when soccer starts. Like, when is it? When does it start? When do we get to. And that's cool because in a lot of these organized pay-to-play programs you don't hear that near as much as you would like you know like this is just a thing like, I love the sport but like I'm always in it or this is just normal for me to have three practices and go to Kansas City and go to Omaha and you know fun hotels and dinners out and because uh, pay-to-play soccer is expensive which is another reason why I became a ref you referee at these tournaments away from town, yep. and everything is uh, a write-off. Because oh, wow. it's for work. Uh, so my hotel, yeah. I ref, so the hotel, write-off. Meals, miles. Hotels, are the tournaments are expensive, and Luki's only nine, so I have another, like, nine years of this. Yeah, I'm going to ref. <laughs> I've already done a couple tournaments in Kansas City, and it was nice. Um, but these kids with Sioux Falls Neighborhood Soccer, man, they're very likely one out of the 200 of them, you know, might get to do that. And that's through sponsorship program with the club. Other parents on the team helping to get the kid to and from practice. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a very cool program. I'm, I'm excited for it to start back up again. And I'm going to make it a point to make myself available as much as I can. Okay. It's a blast. And I think, I know you always kind of struggle being being able to come because you're at the farm and you're doing those kinds of things, but any any Saturday that there ends up being, you know, just come on out and... When does it start? I'd have to check the email. I want to say it's at April something. Well, luckily this, this season doesn't start until May. Okay, so, so we might have a few Saturdays you can come hang yes. out and yes. get to know these awesome that kids. That would be cool. Cool. Um, all right, so we're on the last few. Oh, okay. The last few. Last two questions. What is your vision for the future of youth soccer in Sioux Falls? More females. Fair. First of all. Fair. Um, and I think that's going to happen as we see a continued growth in the women's game locally. The players at the college level are getting more involved with the youth. That hopefully leads to players post-graduation wanting to continue to be part of the game. Getting educated like myself, coaching high school teams, college teams, I mean, you know, um, even, even our local, the universities have mostly male staff that that kind of stuff um but i i want to see more of everything kind of on the same page i don't with a community like sioux falls back home in chicago there's so many soccer clubs but there's millions of kids right. i mean that, <laughs> that's why you can i mean my sister bounced 
to like three or four clubs before she got to Eclipse and they won two or three national championships. Right. But those opportunities were there because of just the area that we were in. Yeah. That's not really possible here. I mean, there's a few soccer organizations that end up sort of competing, but at the end of the day, this large club in town is is it is is the thing that has the the professional coaches and the bulk of the kids and you know I want to continue to see that growth in the sport in that you know Braxton's U13 group there's still over 40 kids in the pool they're about to be able to play in their first state cup and their first regionals and they actually had to do a who would be available to play in regionals because there's so many kids on the team. Yeah. The pool, we'll call it. A pool yeah. of kids that, you know, hey, we're going to Kansas City. Who can go? Oh, so many kids said they could go. We're going to take three teams down to Kansas City. Uh, we're going to uh, St. Louis or Denver. Who can go? Oh, we only had enough kids to do. But the fact of the matter is, is at U13, there's still so many kids. Yeah. Lucas's U10 age group, I think there's even more kids. And a lot of them, they have not been dropping off, which is great. Yeah. The big thing that a lot of coaches will see and had been seeing at the competitive level is by about U13, U14, the numbers would drop off severely. And it was believed to be that a reason for that is the lack of the professional coaches. The kids got to that age and it was like, well, now I know as much as my coach. My coach can't really do much else for me. This is kind of getting boring or, you know, uh, I'm going to do basketball or I'm going to, and of course, choosing other sports is going to happen. Yes. As long as you're doing something, like, I'm cool with that. Do something. Um, but I want to see the continuing trend of the numbers growing and staying. Yes. I want the drop-off to stop. Um, and I want I want to see us compete more consistently. Now, it's funny that I'm talking about all this competing, but I'm ultimately at the youth level. Because what we do is the foundation for that. Like, at the yeah. end of the day, like, since I'm a soccer lover, I miss coaching an older team. I miss tactics. I miss competition, you know. But I look at Braxton's U13 group, at least 30% of them were sprouts. I look at Lucas's U11 group, probably over half of them were sprouts. But now we're seeing from from soccer sprouts these kids that are, have gone through at a young age, learned the skills enough to yep. be able to start practicing them. Yep. They're staying in the sport because we helped foster their passion for the game. And maybe that's actually part of it too, is that they learn to love it from the infectious atmosphere at such a young age. Yep. Plus, you give them the skills at a young age to where they get to that next level and they're like, like, I can do this. I'm not lost. I'm not stumbling over myself. I'm not, you know. Um, but we had our women's team in town, the girls team that won nationals. Um, that's huge for South Dakota. Massive. Before this team, there was one boys team that ever won regionals, and it was... It was a group of boys from that were born in 1988, and they were called the Dakota Gold Clash. 
and they won regionals when they were very young. Yeah. And then, then that was it. And now we're starting to see success again, at least on the women's side, the yeah. girls' side. Yeah. Um, more of that. Shouldn't just be that one team. Can we get the guys involved at that level? Can we get them up there? Yeah. Um, how can I help? How can Sprouts help? How can I help the club to help them help? I mean, just more. <laughs> more. More of all the things. All the things. And I very likely will try to be a part of all of it. Because kids. Well, it's also you. You you have such this awesome energy about what you love doing. And I know that it's soccer. And I know that it is about the sport. And I know it's about the atmosphere and the community behind it. And and I think that that's the thing I've come to love about you as, as, a, as a person. Is that... The only other person I knew that loved soccer as much as you is my dad. He's the only other person. And that's saying something, because that man loves soccer. <laughs> the man loves soccer. So it was like, it was amazing to come to meet and connect with somebody to whom loved it so much that they said, you know what, I need to involve myself in the community and develop the next generation of soccer players because I know this sport would benefit from it in the long run. And that, that's some foresight, if I might add. That's, that's just some remarkable, like, love, that's a clear love and passion for the game. And you don't see that a lot, except for people who then put themselves in a place like you have to be able to help develop that community, develop that, that generation, develop the, the sport in general through fostering great foundations in it and you know I, I guess lastly I would like to say how how would you like your contribution to women's and youth's soccer to be remembered as a passionate ambassador of the sport um, you know, just it being evident how much I loved the game and the community um, and the kids. I mean, it's and it's all about the kids. We, how many adults do you pull off the street and they're like, "I love soccer," and start playing it. It happens, but it's it's kids and it's the kids. And without people instilling that passion there won't be that future. So, um, you know, about the kids is, is, you know, passion for the game, loves the kids. I don't think there's anyone who would ever deny those to be true today. <laughs> Just because of the things in which I know and have come to love about you and the, the organization that is Soccer Sprouts, you know, I... I have had a sabbatical in as being a coach, but that is not, that was unfortunately because of just some circumstances that have come up. But it was, there will always be a want to come back and, and coach under your amazing banner. Um, 
I think anybody who has ever had the opportunity to coach with you and be a part of the organization sees the love that you have for what you do um, and is better off for it because I know I found a, a, a deeper love for the sport in working with you. Um, never would have thought that I'd even go to get a coaching license ever in my life. And then here it is, it's like on that path in some way, shape, or form to, to be able to have that opportunity uh, and, and being provided by you in that way, which, you know, again, is, there's very few organizations that look not just at the coach as a person, but also what that person can become down the road. And, you know, it's not just in your students, it's not just in the kids that come. You also have this remarkable way of wanting to improve the lives of the people that come into your life. And that is something that I think all people have an opportunity to learn from. Because that, to me, has been what has allowed me to feel more at home here, mm -hmm. you know, coming in the same place where I'm from, the cities, to a place where it was hard for me to make connections and, and find my path here, find my place, and lucked out meeting somebody like you, who was, I mean, right on time, and then was like, here, this is what I've learned, and this is the things that I've come to find, and, you know, let me help you. You know, we don't emphasize enough the necessity of taking people under our wings to help them see the things that maybe only we could understand because we come from the same place. So I just want you to know, I am grateful for the opportunity that I've had to work with you, under you, be able to have this relationship and connection that I have with you. Like, I have grown so much, leaps and bounds because of that. You're, you guys, you're part of my family is my soccer family and that's what we are so so i yeah. just know i am grateful and uh thank you again for being here and taking the opportunity so much that has not been said so much that is still yet to be seen so many things that i i'm just grateful to see and have been a part of i thank you for this opportunity and the opportunities Thanks for having me. This was fun. Very, very welcome. Yeah. And for everyone, again, listening, uh, thank you guys for being here with us again. As always, we are in efforts to building our community, uh, strengthening our community, one conversation, one meal at a time, and showing just how connected we are, how, how similar we are in this world as humans, living our lives as best as we can. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for listening. This is another episode of Breakfast At... Look forward to seeing you all on the next one. Our time with Becky Davis today has been nothing short of inspirational. Becky's journey from the competitive pitches of collegiate soccer to the nurturing fields of youth soccer in the Sioux Empire highlights a remarkable dedication to the sport and its future stars. Her insights into the challenges and triumphs of nurturing young talent remind us all of the impact we can have through our passions. Becky. Thank you for sharing your story, your wisdom, and your love for soccer with us. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in and being part of this journey. We hope Becky's story inspires you to follow your passions and contribute to the communities you hold dear. Stay tuned for more stories of inspiration, dedication, and transformation in our next episode. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Breakfast At... Today's location, Josiah's Coffee House and Cafe.
If you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to share this podcast with anyone that you believe would benefit from the conversation. If you yourself resonated with any topic, please leave a thought in the comments below. The more we can have these open discussions, the more we can come together as a people.